0: Welcome back lords ladies and lovelies to black girl tea party I'm Aaliyah Dorsey and
1: I'm Yasmine Hill first things first let's get right into the brew Aaliyah what's brewing for you out there in the world
0: so first things first I have a bit of a personal brew um I finally got my driver's license um I know that like I am 21 years old and I just now have a driver's license but you know better late than never um so I'm very proud of myself for that um my second brew is that yesterday was international podcast day um and so therefore to all our listeners out there if you want to send us a belated congratulations for international podcast day you can but also you could celebrate by telling more people to listen to our show Um, um and For my third brew of the day, something I'm really, really excited about is that as of the time that we record this, today's October 1st, tomorrow, Rihanna's new Fenty Fashion Show will be premiering on Amazon Prime. And girl, we all know that I love myself some Rihanna. I love everything that she produces. She's never gonna give us another album because she says, here's these panties for you. Um, But... (laughs) Um, I'm really looking forward to it because I, I loved her first fashion show. It was like a little... It was an art piece. It was beautiful. It had diverse models, you know, like in like size, in race, and in ability. And I just... I loved it. I cannot wait to see what she does for this second fashion show. Um, Rihanna Fenty's loved My Life and deserves all of my coins. So that's all for my
1: brew. Yasmeen, what's brewing for you in the world? Oh, well... I, there are some things we need to talk about and my brew definitely aligns with our episode topic this week, but the dynamic and controversial animated show Family Guy has officially replaced voice actor Mike Henry with Arif Sahir to voice Cleveland Brown. So the decision comes exactly three months after Henry announced that uh, as a white man, he could no longer voice the character. Um, He's still a writer on the show and he says, I love this character, but persons of color should play characters of color. And I have a lot of feelings about this. I really do because this show launched, like first started in 1999, 1999, Cleveland Brown has like a, like the Cleveland show emerged from that. And this man has been voicing this black character with a black family for two decades, not two seasons, two whole decades, and has been profiting off of that. Also, all of the humor around this character is like very racially based. So I find it really interesting that just three months ago when discussions about racial injustice in our society and in America as a whole was at an all time high, was when this person decided that it was time for him to step down. I think it's really hard for me to like view it as a sincere um, decision. But Henry is not the only um, white actor to voice um, characters of color. And I think since June, a lot of people, including like Jenny Slate, Who plays a black character on Big Mouth and Allison Brie, who voiced a Vietnamese American character on BoJack, also have made comments about it. I know Jenny Slate stepped down from voicing um, her character because of really the inherent erasure of that character's like blackness, Um, and (laughs) I don't know It, it. It's very frustrating. Because And then, like, Alison Brie, like I said, she made a comment about how she, after six seasons of, you know, voice acting on this, like, Emmy-nominated show, that she regretted voicing this character because she's not a person of color. But it's like, sis, you've already gotten all your coins. The deed has been done. You've already done it. So I really don't know what you're trying to prove. I really find it hard to alia do you think it's insincere i really how do you what are your thoughts like, on this
0: it's i i think we talked about this um, a l- little bit while before and i was like sometimes i want to have sympathy for voice actors because like when they go into a role they might not always know what the character is because it might still be like in production but for these people they've been playing these characters for a very long time and they could have stepped down at any moment and i think it's really just kind of like they realize the like racial power imbalance of them like taking these roles from black people inherently by, by being a part of it. And it's just kind of like, you know, it feels like crumbs of something, you know, when it's really like, they should have been casted as like black voice actors in the first place. They should have always had that. And it's just kind of like an empty gesture for me right now, especially like characters like Cleveland, you know, like, the jokes about him are based around him being a black friend to all of his white, other white friends, and it's like, well, how are you writing, being able to portray this character when you don't really come from this experience, so yeah, it's, I don't know, it doesn't feel revolutionary to me, and it's also, also like, not something that, like, we asked for, (laughs) is also the thing about that, you know, like, when we say that we want, representation you know like we want that we want stories that are like about black people and like and in these spaces we didn't really kind of ask for these people to step
1: down in this way so it always feels a little performative for me you know i i think so too especially like the timing of it all it's like in a time where we're literally asking for people to like evaluate how they're contributing to systems of oppression on like a you know in the education world or like in the justice system and the legal systems it's like when we're trying to broadcast that it's like oh well i'm gonna stop playing this character like i think you're completely right it really does feel like crumbs because it's like why is it taking you 20 years to make this realization
0: right it's like i would like it if you like you know platformed black voices maybe if you like maybe people who like write and work on these shows made like more of an effort to like include black voices and like in the writing of these shows you know and it's just kind of like that would mean more to me and if they had done that without kind of in a way that like wasn't going to get them clout in a way that like leaving these shows definitely is going to get them clout for that you know so I just have a I also have a hard time you know feeling any of this is sincere or feeling that it's actually going to be useful for the conversation around representation you know um but
1: hollywood is like that isn't it Hmm. Mm -mm -mm. i mean they did replace uh cleveland's character with a black voice actor so you know i'm always glad to see black creators eaten you know i think that's the only really good thing about this whole situation is like oh okay now this this Younger person, this younger black person who like is quite talented as a voice actor is like able to fill that position, and I think that's really the only thing that I'm like, okay, well that's good. But, (laughs) but side eye. (laughs) No, literally, if you could see my side eye right now. mm. But with that, it's time for tea.
0: So, this week, loves, we are going to be talking about Black Lives Matter. Um, and we're, so, we're, we're really kind of going to get into where we've been and how we got here. So, we're going to do one of my favorite things, which is talk about the history of the thing. Um, so, according to the official Black Lives Matter website, the hashtag Black Lives Matter was founded in 2013 in response to the acquittal of Trayvon Martin's murderer. Black Lives Matter Foundation Incorporated is a global organization in the U.S., U.K., and Canada whose mission is to eradicate white supremacy and build local power to intervene in violence inflicted on black communities by the state and vigilantes. By combating and countering acts of violence, creating space for black imagination and innovation, and centering black joy, we are winning immediate improvements in our lives, is a quote from the website. Um, The movement was founded by three black women, Alicia Garza, Patrisse Coulors, and Opal Tometi. The movement is now a member-led global network of more than 40 chapters. Um, Also, which I think is important to this movement because um, in my reading of the website, this was stated several times. um, Also, this movement affirms the humanity of all black lives, which include, and I quote from the website, black, queer, and trans folk, disabled folks, undocumented folks, folks with records, women, and all black lives along the gender spectrum. Our network centers on those who have been marginalized within black liberation movements. Um, and so I just think that's really important, especially because like, um, I think a lot of people think about Black Lives Matters being the new civil rights movement. And considering the fact that these uh, communities mentioned in this quote, were left out of the first movement. I think it's incredibly revolutionary that they are making this active effort to include other marginalized identities that also can be contained in a Black body.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the fact that the movement was founded by three Black women, which is something that I don't think people really talk about enough, um, I think that just proves how, like, I mean, and it's very clear that Black women's... Black women are definitely marginalized within racial movements because nobody really talks about like the layer oppression that we could experience based off gender and race. Massage um, and noir is m- its own demon. Boop, boop, boop. Tune in in a couple weeks because that's a whole, nother, whole another episode. That's a whole another situation. But I think the fact that like these three women were like, oh, this is something that we have to do in response to the death of a young black boy i think that speaks levels really to like the makeup of the black community as yeah
0: i think we're a very matriarchal culture to be honest yeah
1: i agree but i think the movement is so complex and i think a lot of the criticism really comes from like a m- mis misinformation and truly like a mishandling of the intent and the mission because a lot of times when i see criticism i'm not even really seeing people talking about how all of these marginalized bodies within the black community are like being elevated you know people are advocating for them and so i you know it's about disrupting the effects of systemic racism you know that have seeped into literally every facet of our black american lives uh so support of the movement was at a high in june following the death of george floyd with 67 percent of u.s adults in support today uh just however many months later it's just a couple months later that's down to 55 percent according to the pew research center um so i think this decreased support really is you know because it's not trendy anymore oh yeah facts like like it was very for me it was very easy to pick out who was being performative and who was not like
0: non-black people discovered that racism still exists for like two weeks in june and then they put that right back down.
1: No, they deleted their black square and went on with their lives. Yeah,
0: they said enough activism for today. Um, when in reality, it's like, you know, protests are still going on in several cities in the, in America. Like there are still um, what I think are commonly called anarchist zones, but are really just kind of government. Well, I guess, yeah, government free zones in like other cities like those are still. In place in places where there were like a lot of writing um, as, um, during protests in those cities, so like the movement is still happening even if it's not trending on Twitter anymore. Um, which brings me to my next point is I want to get into what the movement is actually saying because we we're talking about mis- misinformation. Because I feel like also we got a lot of articles that were about oh. Black Lives Matter trying to destroy the American family (laughs) or Black Lives Matter is anti-Christian. And it's like, none of those things are true, you know, Um, mostly because that none of those things have anything to do with what the movement is actually trying to achieve, you know. Um, So let's talk a little little bit about that. So um, basically, the reason why we say Black Lives Matter is because Black people would like to stop dying as a result of police violence and of the violence uh, put upon us by private citizens. Um, And from those and from those who are just like afraid of our bodies moving through the world. Um, And so like that does include defunding the police, which is also like a stance that like Black Lives Matter officially has taken on the issue. On their website, they say, and I quote, We demand acknowledgement and accountability for the devaluation and dehumanization of Black life at the hands of police. We call for radical, sustainable solutions that affirm the prosperity of Black lives. We call for an end to the systemic racism that allows this culture of corruption to go unchecked and our lives to be taken. We call for a national defunding of police. We demand investment in our communities and the resources to ensure black people not only survive, but thrive, end quote. So, yeah, when we say Black Lives Matter, the reason why it is such a great phrase is because it says exactly what it means.
1: Mm. Yeah, I think what is really destructive is the fact that it's becoming like a partisan issue. And you people really aren't taking like those words like at their value and I think this is why saying all lives matter in response to someone saying hey I'm black I am a human my life has value it matters like when you say well all lives matter it's destructive it's dif- dismissive honestly because that's basically saying like <laughs> uh, it's 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 infuriating because it's like hundreds of thousands of people have been shouting for generations for generations about how these things are affecting us and disenfranchising us as a people like this conversation didn't just start in June.
0: Right. Right. And also it's just kind of like, listen, the fight for black lives is inherently the fight for all lives. You know, like when you give black people our rights, it is going to increase the like quality of life for everyone. Like if you you know, stop over-policing communities, not only is that going to save Black lives, but that's going to, you know, stop other marginalized communities, i.e. queer people, i.e. disabled people, i.e. like undocumented people, from also like having to be targeted by the same, by police also. Like it is going to help so many other marginalized communities. And the fact of the matter is like, if you think that all lives matter, then it is the same, then like also- that includes Black lives, you know? We have to just admit that, like, Black people are simply using this phrase to point out the fact that we are suffering and we are dying in a country that we built. And it's just not, it's not fair and it's not right. Like, we are also American citizens and our lives have value, but how can they, like, have value if, like, every every time you look around, like, someone who looks like you and has your body is dying
1: for... No reason at all. No reason at all. Mm-hmm. I also think it really doesn't make a lot of sense mm-hmm. when people point to black on black crime rates as a response to us trying to, you know, have conversations about police brutality, trying to defund the police. I really don't see the connection because, I mean, if we're going to talk about that, then we need to talk about theories of criminology. And we also need to discuss that like crime and your likelihood to engage in crime is not related to your race, but rather to like your social proximity. It's related to like poverty. And so like, no, like on a biological level, black people are not just like more inclined to engage in criminal activity, but we have to break down like, the social systems in like low income neighborhoods that are predominantly um black and we have to discuss like at the education system we have to discuss like over policing you know, which is also going because... to get done
0: in our episode on the justice system uh, yeah, it's
1: like... I, yeah it's a whole lot i think but i don't know i think pointing to black on black crime as really as a way to disregard the issue of police brutality really is just
0: like um when whenever a black person is murdered by the state um which is what happens when police kill black people um is like the like you'll see news articles or you'll see social media posts about like something that they did wrong in life that like made them deserve to die you know which honestly is the worst thing for me you know like I absolutely cannot function for the rest of my day when I see posts like that like after you know Trayvon Martin died people were like oh well I heard that he sold weed or after Sandra Bland died people were like well I just think maybe if she wasn't breaking the law like she wouldn't have died in prison you know and it's like I it doesn't matter you know like it's kind of like I don't really care about what this person may or may not have done in their life like a police officer doesn't have the right to be both judge jury and executioner to those people like we have a justice system and it is meant to put law like make our like make our make society more just Say it louder. and it just isn't Period. doing that you know like where do we get to this point where we decided that like police have the right to murder you just because you don't listen to them or because you have an attitude with them or because you yell at them when it's like people do all of that to customer service workers every goddamn day (laughs) and customer service workers are not out here murdering people i just
1: (laughs) it's just not making sense i mean they're trying it that argument is literally just trying to assign value to somebody's life based on like how good of a black they were they're like oh this person was not a good black therefore their life had no value which which is really something that we have to move away from. So police reform means we give police more training in how to do their jobs. We give them racial sensitivity training. We give them de-escalation training. We do community policing and make sure that citizens feel comfortable with the police in their neighborhoods. You know, we give them body cameras, but obviously that is not working. It's not working. Criminologist Robin Engel, who's also a professor at the university of Cincinnati, uh, had been called on frequently to help police departments around the country manage their response to acts of police violence. She found that most studies simply were inconclusive about their results. The article says, quote, even studies on body worn cameras, which are numerous had mixed results. Engel cites a t- March 2019 review of 70 studies in criminology and public policy by the team of researchers led by Cynthia Loom of Georgia Mason University in Fairfax, Virginia. Uh, that gauged the link between camera use and the reduction in force. Just 16 of those students looked directly at whether or not cameras reduced um, officers' use of force. Uh, of that subset, some show that cameras work as a deterrent to use force, whereas others reach the opposite conclusion.
0: Right. And so we have no real numbers on if police reform actually works. Um, according to this article. And so also this article also said that like, it is really hard to get precincts to work with researchers as they often don't want outside people bringing up the, the problems in policing to the public. Um, and but, so the, what, basically what, that, what that's telling us that police reform is just a band-aid on a deeply rooted issue that is continuing to cost us actual human lives. Um, in an article by the ACLU, says that funneling so many resources into law enforcement instead of education, affordable housing, and accessible health care has caused significant harm to communities. Police violence is actually a leading cause of death for Black men. A recent study found that one in 1,000 Black men can expect to be killed by police, and the public health experts have described police violence as a serious public health issue, um, which is really the wild part of this to me because if we addressed the core issues of our society, like we, like, yeah, yeah, I like, guess me, like you were saying earlier, such as, like, income inequality and inequality in education, we would actually have less crime and less of a need for police because at the end of the day, like, poverty, poverty and race are factors that inherently play upon each other, you know? Like, this goes back to, um, like, I think... I talk a lot about how like black people have a lack of generational wealth, mostly because like in things of our, of our society in the U.S. like we were kept from rising above a certain social social station due to like Jim Crow laws and due to um, mass incarceration in the U.S., which like in which is like made to prey upon black and brown bodies, and so it's kind of like these systems do not aid in black and brown people being able to become wealthy in the way that our white counterparts are able to. And so it's like people commit crimes because they don't have. Like you would we like you wouldn't steal something if you were able to go to the store and buy it. And it's just kind of like this is also like kind of a war on poor people because it's also it is these poor neighborhoods that are being over policed and these poor neighborhoods are also majorly filled with black with black and brown people. And it's just inequality is an issue and if we address that we also probably would not be in this position also like racism and poverty are very similar issues and if we address those we wouldn't have a need for policing in the way that we do yeah
1: this is an aside but i think we need to talk about it i uh, i very much had a problem with the recent presidential debate um specifically because like they had lined out like specific topics right one of the topics was race and violence in our communities and i think this is a- an example of the problem is like why i had a problem because the topic was race and violence in our communities which i just the way that that sounds i think it's like we should be talking about right. that right yeah
0: no that's inherently but i don't think like, a conversation kind
1: of <laughs> to equate yeah. it's it's like that's a very racist like denotation of the problem like that's racist rhetoric on happening on like a very highly publicized stage of like conflating race and violence um and i think we can have discussions about race without talking about violence i don't think talking about violence is the problem i just think that it's quite interesting that those two things Like that someone decided that those two things should be linked. It's kind
0: of like also kind of the issue with misinformation about Black Lives Matter is that like people, I think especially people who are non-Black and have issues identifying with or trying or identifying that they support the movement is that they don't want to be associated with people who riot and people who loot when it's like, well... The fact that you care more about property than people is a telling factor you know and so i'm not i'm not even surprised that at the at the bay i didn't watch it because I didn't, I didn't want to be upset that night but i'm not even surprised that they you know situated race and violence together in that way um like given the summer we had and given the way that people feel about race issues in the I don't us know, that
1: just that really bothered me but shifting back <laughs> Uh, You know, Black Lives Matter is calling for defunding the police. So what that means is we're going to, you know, allocate less money to police uh, precincts. And an article in CNN says some supporters of divestment want to reallocate some, but not all funds away from police departments to social services and reduce their contact with the public to reduce the likelihood of police violence. Those seeking to disband police consider defunding an initial step toward creating an entirely different model of community led public safety. So the article goes on to say, to explain why he supports the idea, Isaac Bryan, the director of UCLA's Black Policy Center, points to history. Law enforcement in the South began as slave patrol. And I think this is something that people really forget. So a team of vigilantes literally were hired to recapture escaped slaves. That is like the very, that is the earliest model of law enforcement that we saw in America. And from there, I don't know how people, could make the assumption that that doesn't influence literally the system that we have today so then when slavery was abolished police enforced jim crow laws so even the most minor infractions and we saw like an increase in incarceration of black men for petty crimes like loitering and vagrancy and we still see those types of trends for different crimes today Um, but today police disproportionately use force against black people and black people are more likely to be arrested and sentenced. So that history is literally ingrained into our law enforcement. Brian said, so police, you know, when we talk about disproportionately using force against black people, I think that also goes into this general generational dehumanization of black people right? This, this increased fear of black men and women, this fear of blackness, this idea that like, we will engage violently. Therefore you have to be more prepared or you have to have some sort of like prejudice against that in order to protect yourself. Um, and I think that that idea is also very key in this, um, you know, force that we're seeing. So we can no longer, uh, we can no longer keep a system going that, a, <laughs> is not helping anybody, and b is killing American citizens every day. Black Lives Matter is calling for a defund of the police. Doesn't mean that police officers won't exist. It simply means that we're putting our tax money and our community energy into a system that will actually protect citizens and save lives.
0: Right. Like, are there people calling for both like police and prison abolition? yes yes there are but like that is again that's another like nuanced issue that we'll get into later in another episode and but also the importance is that like people are asking for that but at the current moment like we really just kind of want a defund of police we want to put our money back into our communities and into a system that's going to actually help us adjust adjust justice system that is actually going to be just. Um, and what's important about this, about these conversations to me, is that like these are not new conversations. People have been talking about defunding the police or abolishing the police or and reforming the police since the civil rights movement and since and even before that. Like we've been talking about fixing our police system for a very, very long time it is just that people just
1: started listening to our pleas yeah. For that. yeah yeah this is not a new conversation which is another th- it's mind-boggling it's mind-boggling people have been saying this for decades and decades and decades trying to like shine a spotlight on how systemic and structural racism how these systems of oppression have literally like affected the fabric of black america And I, I think it's interesting that a lot of people think that this started in June twenty twenty. Very confused, but you're completely correct. So like, the Black Panther Party was literally born out of the need to protect Black people from police.
0: Right, and they were instrumental in just kind of like strengthening communities. They started breakfast programs to feed children. They participated in protests of other marginalized communities such as the 504 sit-in in california which is what led to the current ada that we have american disability act um and so you know like the reason why i want to talk about this is just because like this proves that like communities have always tried to protect ourselves as best we possibly can when we realize that like our justice systems are not going to protect us and that they're not going to fight for us and I what I mean by bringing up by bringing this point up is just that like once again, the fight for black lives is the fight for all lives. Like when we start actually putting a focus on protecting our citizens and making them feel safe and giving them the things they need to actually thrive in the community, that is a public good for everybody. The police are not only killing black people and they're not only targeting black people but they are targeting so many other marginalized groups and defunding them means a better society
1: for so
0: many people.
1: Black people's relationships has, sorry, I'll start again. Black people's relationship with police has always been what it is now. It has always cost us lives and not even just black people who are targets of police violence, it's disabled people, queer people, and especially trans people who've been targets of police violence quite literally for decades.
0: We all have a duty to fix our justice system because it hurts citizens. The police do not protect us in the way they should. And because our policing system is killing people, we either defund it and allocate those funds to programs that will actually work, or we're going to keep having George Floyd's and Sandra Bland's and Tamir Rice's and Michael Brown's and Breonna Taylor's and many, many, many more names. That is the price we all pay for not solving this problem.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, And with that, that's a wrap for our episode this week. Aaliyah, where can our listeners find you?
0: I am, it's Aaliyah Dorsey on Twitter and Instagram. Yasmin, where can our listeners find you?
1: Ooh, I'm at Yasmeen underscore S-A. And as always, please follow us at Black Girl Tea Party on Instagram and search Black Girl Tea Party at Black Girl Tea Time on Twitter to stay up to date with episodes.
0: Also, please subscribe to our show. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and Google Podcasts and just anywhere else that you listen to our show so that new people can find our little program here.
1: Yes, Uh, not program. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You can always send us an email at blackgirlteaparty at gmail.com. Send us questions, ask for advice or tell us how much you love the show. We would love to hear from you.
0: Once again, friends, thanks for listening. Remember to love often and with all your heart, and we'll see you next week.